bringing you up to speed on the latest in conservation, science, and responsible hunting in Canada. Hey everyone, it's Mark Hall, and you're listening to the Round Canada Podcast. So over the last couple of podcasts, I've been covering this story out of Ontario about the um, the pen trialing areas for dogs uh, where hunters are either trialing for competitions or training uh, hunting dogs for uh, hunting coyotes in Ontario. And so earlier in the springtime, the province of Ontario had a public comment period that was open for a period of time because they're considering... Um, entertaining application proposals to allow the transfer of existing licensed training pen training facilities on Ontario and the expansion so some new applications if I remember right there's only 24 left in Ontario and so there'll be a period of time where pen owners can apply to transfer or uh, open new ones so I've been covering that story as well as kind of um, all the different things that have been in the newspapers across Canada about, you know, the uh, the pr- pros and cons of these trialing pen facilities, um, and, you know, from anti-hunting groups to pro-hunting groups, and I've been trying to search my way through learning more about this. And then uh, the last episode, I covered a little bit more because there's some more stories that were trending in Ontario about it. Some retired conservation officers were talking about some some stuff to do with um, the the black market trade. It's an illegal activity. Illegal is illegal, <laughs> and I always try to you know make sure that people separate. Um, regulated ethical legal hunting from illegal stuff that happens and I don't think there's anybody in this country that won't condemn something if it is against the law so I you know that was a story that was out there I don't and I, I was very explicit to make sure that that wasn't reflecting on good Canadian hunters you know in Ontario but it was something that was being said about this topic So interestingly enough, um, I've had a few people kind of reach out that know a little bit more about this practice of hunting coyotes with dogs in uh, Ontario and one was in Saskatchewan. And I was put in touch with my guest, Sean here, who is uh, Sean Foster. He's a resident hunter from Ontario and we kind of connected through a listener of the podcast that put me on to you and said, hey, maybe give this guy a call um, and learn a little bit more about hunting in Ontario uh, with dogs. So welcome to the Round Canada podcast, Sean. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. So do you want to tell folks a little bit about yourself? Okay. uh, Yeah. So my name's uh, Sean Foster. Uh, I live in Ontario. I'm on the North shore of Lake Erie. Um, I'm 52. I've hunted since I was 15, probably, you know, handful of years before that with my, with my dad. Um, they say I was born with a gun in my hand. All I do is hunt and fish. I'm avid outdoorsman. And, uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So it, it's kind of interesting. I, I was sort of the same thing. I was, I was born Christmas Eve actually. And uh, the very first possession that I ever had in my entire life 
was a little toy hunting rifle that my grandfather picked up and brought to the hospital for me on Christmas Day. Hilarious. So, Hilarious. So, uh, yeah, there's a few of us out there. When we say we we're born with a gun in our hand, it's uh, it's it's in some cases like almost literally true. Yeah, for cool. sure. Well, one of the reasons uh, we connected was uh, is you have some experience on this topic of hunting coyotes behind dogs in Ontario. Uh, there seems to be, you know, a, it's a typical hunting story that's in the news. There's, there's kind of like mostly like an anti-side for whatever reason, the news in Canada seems to pick up a lot on, on rhetoric stuff. And, you know, a lot of times you got to sort of say, is this really true or not? Is this actually something that's going on in Canada or the videos, you know, from somewhere else in the world that has different rules and regulations. And, and I think, the purpose here is just to get folks uh, educated in the hunting community in Canada uh, about this topic of the use of hunting uh, coyotes in Ontario uh, with dogs. I think a lot of people are familiar, especially out in the West, uh, hunting uh, cougars, uh, bobcats and lynx with dogs, uh, you know, in snow, treed, they can judge male, female size, same with bears uh, in the springtime, fall, in the tree they get to you know judge have a look at them you know that sort of thing but this this is very different because you're not actually treeing a coyote uh in british columbia when we had a grizzly bear season they would they could use dogs uh for grizzly bears and of course those that there was a situation where the bear was just being bayed uh on the ground surrounded kind of like the wolf packs do you see in alaska and stuff so a, a little a little different uh on the ground um hunting style so sean maybe maybe just explain to folks your experience uh in in this style of hunting in ontario maybe what you know what the different the different ways are uh different times of the year how maybe a typical uh hunt might look and and break break it down sure quick educate folks sure so basically um you know we usually always start um at the, after deer season for snow or whatever, right? When, when everybody's, uh, you know, some of the guys don't even hunt deer. So, you know, they're, they're starting maybe after the last deer week. Cause you can't run dogs during deer okay. weeks, obviously. And that's um, late November. Yeah. So, well, actually our last controlled hunt is first week of December. Oh, okay. For my okay. area, for my okay. area, for my WMMU, which wildlife management unit. Um, but uh, uh, again, I was uh, off off air. We we're talking. Uh, some guys hunt bare ground. Some guys hunt snow. Right. Um, the problem, like you know, sometimes with the snow, if you know, especially southwest in Ontario, our our winters are horrible anymore. <laughs> so you you get the you know you get snow which it's fun. It's great. You're running for a couple of days, but then you get some rain on top of that snow and then it gets cold again. And now you got ice on top, right? And you can't run your dogs in that because that just cuts up their, their pads, their feet. Gotcha. So, um, you know, unless it's like, a, a going to be a really nice day out and then maybe you can start running around 10 or 11 after that sun has softened the snow again. Right. So there's lots of different variables and whatnot. Um, but generally, 
you know, we'll start after deer, um, running in the snow or nice days uh, that are um, without snow. And, uh, you know, uh, we start in the morning, first thing, first light. One of the first things you want to do is try to get visual. So we're, we have the areas that we have the permission for, and it's usually all farmers, you know, you're in the farmland. Um, like when I go north by, uh, I, I say north for me, but um, a lot of beef farmers, um, sheep farmers, <clears throat> they're more like they welcome coyote hunters with open mm -hmm. arms, right? Um, you know, especially when it, it seems like around breeding season, late to mid-February into March, that's calving for the beef, right? So, um, you know, that's always a, a, a hard time for the farmers. Um, coyotes coming right in the yard, um, packs at night, yada, yada. And the numbers for the coyotes just seem to be increasing uh, more and more every year. Like, I mean... The most I've ever seen myself with my bare eyes is five in a field. Um, and that was during the day, in daylight, during breeding season. But I've been pinned down on my tree stand with four out in front of me when I was uh, deer yeah. hunting. So, well. right. But I've, I've heard stories of lots more. Like uh, one of the guys in our group, one of the old boys, in one of my, like from my original group, he saw seven one day running well so, well yeah so you, you you work on spotting <clears throat> one in in a field and then mm -hmm. like the, and then you know the, you, do you have to take the dogs out and go hey look and <laughs> you see it or do you well, take walk a lead dog over onto a track or how, how does that how does that work okay so there's a couple different options sometimes you can um just spike a dog meaning you know you get out on your Drop your tailgate, pull the dog out of the box, hold him so he can see the coyote. Depends on how far the coyote's off okay. the road. And he and you'll tell, like, he'll just lock up. And he sees it, you let him go, and then you're good to go. And then you can throw a couple more dogs in. Because as that dog's yelping or barking, the other dogs go to it. And then they get on the fresh track and they're gone. So it's either a visual or a scent okay. chase, right? Okay. Um Similar to but, like the uh, bear hunters in the springtime where they'll have like a strike dog on the top of the box. Uh, that's literally just, it's the dog's nose that's picking up, you know, a, a bear upwind or whatever. And then they look for the tracks and make a decision. So, so here, here yeah. you're actually trying to get the dog to, to visually, visually see the coyote. That's interesting. Yeah, that's right. Um, or if you know, like the coyotes between, you know, if he's headed say east, between a wood lot and the road that we're on, well, we know if we send that dog down a fence line to that wood lot, he's going to cut that track, okay. right? And then chase. Okay. On. So, yeah. so tell us a little bit like about the pursuit. Is it like, is, is it long? Um, do the coyotes bay up fairly quickly? Like what's, what sort of. What? Yeah. And that, that, that's so, it, it varies so much. Um, some days we'll have a 29 mile run. <laughs> yeah. Like literally all day, you know, um, back and forth. And, uh, 
like uh, the coyotes are smart, right? Like they know when they're in a woodlot and it's, you know, whether they've been hunted before, chased before or instinct, whatever they can, they can lose the dog pretty quick. And when you think you're, you know, it's a sealed deal, they surprise you. You know, I've heard some of the Um, stories about cats being like that, where they, once they realize they're, they're, they're being, they're being tailed, uh, they'll run circles and, you know, do a few few things like that. And then it totally messes the dogs up. They end up going in the wrong direction and, and whatnot. Like they're, they're pretty, they're pretty wise to it. So especially, especially, uh, maybe cats that, you know, like out here in British Columbia that live with wolf packs too, they probably are pretty savvy to, to, uh, dodging the canines yeah for sure and and again uh most dogs will have the gps collars so the guys are watching the tracks on the on their screen and um you know they can see what the coyotes doing like figure eights or what have you um you know cross a couple ditches maybe a creek try to shake the dogs and then if the dogs keep on them, you know, it's almost like they, they'll do the same route, same route, same route. But then once they start getting into a different area, you know, the coyotes kind of broke and, um, that pattern and then the chase will maybe ensue on and, uh, just go, go further. Um, and then even sometimes you can fire in a, another dog or two to get that coyote to break that routine track. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. So, so, yeah. so you're, you're like out in farm country. Like there's, there isn't like, I, I was watching a show the, uh, the other day about, uh, bear hunters down in the States and stuff. And like, they must've been smaller U S States because they were really cognizant of where like the highways were. And they're like, well, if we go here, the last thing we want to be doing is putting the bear and dogs across like a, like a busy highway and stuff. So they were just like, that's a no go zone. And then they, they go back to is, are you well away from that kind of stuff? Yeah. Like we, most of the guys don't like going near a busy roads. Yeah. Makes total sense. Um, Absolutely. Some areas you can't help it. Um, like again, that group that I hunt with North, they do hunt around a lot of, um, busier roads, but they're all kind of busier roads out that way. Um, you know, you're closer to the, the bigger, um, I guess cities or whatever. Right. But, uh, every dog has a shot collar. Like, I mean, you know, every houndsman can pretty much stop a dog even on a hot track and turn them and bring them back, you know, um, like the control on the dogs. Um, every, I would say, you know, 90% of the 95% of the guys, um, have full control of their dog. Okay. Yeah. That's right. That's, that seems, that seems pretty important in these situations. So is that one of the values of like the, the pen training, you know, that I've been covering is like, that is where in a controlled environment that, that, hunters have to work with dogs and practice to be able to like to recall them kind of in a in a in a closed setting absolutely like it's not only just running you know getting the dog used to a coyote or or on a fresh track or 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 have it um you know baying up it's the ability to stop that dog and turn that dog and bring that dog back interesting well i gotta 
I got a lab puppy that I'm trying to train for duck hunting. And when he gets bored, he wanders off of the property and goes in the neighbor properties. And, and, uh, yeah, he's got selective hearing, so he's not always easy to come back unless he knows he's going to get some food. So, it, I mean, this is, <clears throat> you know, it, different than, than a retriever. This, you know, these, these are animals that can get out of your sight and hearing, you know, in, in a very short period of time, like the hound dogs and, and being able to, to stop them and recall them sounds like a, like a pretty, pretty core <clears throat> element of, of training and hunting. That's- Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably one of the most important. And that's, again, why everybody's gone to GPS, yeah. too, right? Because <clears throat> now you can see where your dog is. Like, we're basically running, we're, we're hunting country blocks, right? So we'll have a couple trucks on the, on the east road. You know, if we're putting in off the, say, south road, and then you're going to have a couple trucks on the east road, a couple trucks on the north road, and and maybe, or not on the north, on the west road, and then one on the north mm. in case they bust right out, right? Okay. Um, and like that's where, where I kind of come in because all the guys running the dogs and everything. So that's where... Uh, I, I kind of help out with the group is I'll try to keep an eye on the coyote, a visual, right? Just so I can tell the guys if the dogs are on the right track. Oh, I see. Okay. On the right line. Because nobody wants to abandon their dog to get up ahead and find out where the coyote's going. Everybody stays with their dog. Oh, okay. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, whether they have to, you know, call them out and catch them up if the coyotes busted out into the next block or, you know, um, the, the houndsmen judge their, their dogs um, per situation, right? So if even if the d- dog's like, you know, four or five hundred yards behind, but he's 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 on track, don't let him go, you know, um, and generally they do catch up because a coyote's not going to full run three blocks you know they'll just run if they're that far ahead they're going to make a good uh attempt to get away and then they'll kind of hole up again Mm. right and then that dog catches up and the chase is on okay so so what, what are ontario rules around this this style of hunting um, like besides sort of uh, side season and, you know, and that sort of stuff, what, what are, what are some of the regulation things that are designed to keep this like a, a proper hunting practice? Um, well, they definitely don't want the dogs killing the coyotes. Um, everybody is pretty, um, conscientious of that, you know, uh, we either pull the dogs off and let that coyote go for another day, or if it's in a hunting area where the, you know, we have the permission because they want the numbers down. Well, you know, a few of us carry guns, so we put the coyote down. Um, you know, uh, if they don't have mange, we have trappers that take them. Um, and if they have mange, they get thrown in the pile and burned. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the, see our, out our way, like I know if, out west you guys have beautiful coyotes and they're a lot bigger than ours and their coats are twice yeah especially saskatchewan yeah yeah. oh it's you know i know i know i know a couple of the guys just from um 
Instagram and, and whatnot, um, uh, you know, they're shooting 300 coyotes a season mm-hmm. and they're all like just, just gorgeous, gorgeous animals. So, right? so, you know, yeah. the main, like, I mean, this is kind of an interesting one, like removing like a diseased animal. So, so mange for a furred animal, whether it's, whether it's a bear or, or a coyote or a fox or whatever, it's a horrible, horrible thing that an animal gets that. And you get an animal that starts, the fur starts thinning, they start losing the fur, they're losing fur in like key areas on the face and the neck and the chest, which is just like us. That's where a lot of body heat is retained in the wintertime. And um, to sort of, to say the least, like it's, it's a really horrible death. I mean, any starvation and any type of disease in nature is, is, is pretty horrible, but it's, it's transmitted between animals. So like it's a, it's, it's a, a variety of mites if, if I remember correctly, and it's like, it's transferred from contact. So, you know, the more animals out there that have it, the more that are coming in contact with them, it's kind of a death sentence for, for a, a lot of animals. And even, it might sound harsh what you just sort of said about, you know, burning the carcasses. I know trappers will do that with wolves that have it as well, but it is, it is like a form of like ethical sterilization on the landscape and in, in keeping the healthy coyotes like, like healthy as well. Healthy. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's obviously something you know, I don't know if a lot of people have had experience in it. You don't really know until the animal's up on the ground in front of you. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, unless it's a severe case, you can tell when they're right. Yeah, right? it's like, that's, I mean, a, that's a know, skinny, thin-looking looking coyote, yeah. Yeah, you can tell for because they normally catch it at the back end first, like in, okay, the, in my okay. experience. So you're seeing the thinning of the tail, more like a rat tail, right? Than a right. Tail. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. So, I've seen those pictures. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, like the a bear I got a few years ago. It was it was face, uh, was was kind of where it got the hold. I mean, you see bears, you know, with bald bald faces and stuff. So, um, so interesting. You know, I, I'm. I'm really thankful like you, that you that you brought this up um, about like how the final part of the hunting process takes place because this was, you know, I think probably a question that I wanted to learn uh, and probably in people's minds is is sort of like how how is the animal dispatched, right? So in any type of hound hunting, whether it's it's uh, a retriever and pheasants or you know bear hunters or whatever, they want the most humane taking of of the animal occasionally encounters and skirmishes happen on the ground they're animals and sometimes they mm-hmm. don't want to listen to us uh i was mushroom picking this spring in my lab jumped on a baby snowshoe hare that was like hiding there it was like fit in the palm of my hand and this little thing was squealing and it was the dog's instinct right he's he's meant to find right. wounded ducks in the tall grass and, and he didn't hurt it and i ended up pulling him off and letting the little bunny go but um you know it's a dog and and dogs do dog things yeah. but i think it's the hunters that make the the difference here and so maybe talk a little bit about this hunting community like the actual people um the hunters themselves what they believe in what they stand in um so I think a really important point that you made here was about this, the, this, I don't know, like this, the strict, um, 
control over the dogs and being able to, to break them off was a really important thing. And I, they must take that super seriously, being able to have dogs that Absolutely. know they can stop when they're told to stop. What are some other things about this hunting community that Canadians should know about? Because there's a side of well, the argument all... out there that wants to make these people into monsters, and I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Like, I mean, you know, some well-respected people I know in the community, um, you know, business owners, um, you know, the one guy brings out his granddaughter all the time. He does field trials all the time. Like I just saw a post there the other day where his daughter was uh, um, handling one of his dogs in one of these trials. Um, he, he, he runs trials stateside and Canadian side. Um, but uh, no, no, these guys are all, you know, we're just the hunting community. I, I guess, you you know, no matter where you go you're going to run into some fools yep. right it's whether it be at work on the basketball court in, yep. in, in at the kid at the know. kids hockey game in the arena you get some nutcase parents and yelling at the referee it's like they're they're everywhere so i accept that we have a few in the hunting community but 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 i i know that's not everybody that's right um yeah so like i wouldn't be hunting with guys that i thought were not good hunters or ethical mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or, you know, just, just easy going and great guys. You know what I mean? Um, everybody, uh, everybody takes it pretty serious. Um, you know, they put a lot of money into this. They, you know, whether it be with, with, with the breeding, um, you know, they're feeding their dogs all year to run them two or three months. Right. Um, it's uh it's a big thing like houndsmen houndsmen it like you said with the cats or the bears or or whatever houndsmen or even waterfowl people that hunt with dogs are are a whole different level mm -hmm. in my opinion mm -hmm. right like uh i love it like um my original group i started hunting with these guys probably i don't even know my son I was hunting with him for probably 10 years before my son was even born. Wow. Right? He's 20 now. <laughs> wow. Like, right? So, um, and, and some of them, they're not even around anymore or they've sold off their kennels. Yep. So it's moved on to different yep. groups, right? Um, now, yeah. now, one of the things, so, uh, so maybe like address this specifically for the hound coyote hunting community that, that you know, like in, in your experience. So, so often the way hunters are portrayed by the non-hunting community or the anti-hunting community is we're, is we're hunting because, uh, especially when it comes to predators, bears, cougars, wolves, coyotes, um, and even trapping gets lumped into this. They try to paint this moniker of, of the predator hunter as being somebody that hates the animal. Like they, they, they've gone through all this time and energy because of, they loathe this wild creature and, and that's why they partake in this. So think of trappers, uh, you know, trappers, you know, have a great deal of respect for the fur bearers. They're the first ones that are out there saying, Hey, we need to protect the habitat. We need to, they're doing too much logging. We're seeing the populations go down. Who's improving 
um, the lethality of traps. It's trappers. They, if they could, if they could switch a f flip a switch and design a trap that kills uh, in a millisecond, they would want it. They would say, yes, the faster, you know, the better, the quicker, the more humane. And we're taking some fur, but we're also doing work to make sure that there's this viable ecosystem that have predators out there. And, and that bothers me across all the hunting communities. And I just don't see a person wanting to get into hunting and let's say hound hunting the expense of dogs and collars and training and the dedication and falling in love with these animals and they're like part of your family because you hate some wild animal that you want to take its life to me it's almost like it's a greater level of reverence for the animal when you partake in a hunt whether it's a deer or a coyote how does that ethos reflect in the coyote hunting community that you work with like how do they feel i mean there's the depredation thing. I get that with, with livestock, but as far as the ethics of how they view this animal that's on the landscape, what's your experience? Well, I, I feel that they definitely respect it. Like, I mean, you know, especially when you, you got a coyote that outwits um, six or eight top hounds. <laughs> like, I mean, right. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like a tip it, of the hat at the just, end of the day saying good job buddy absolutely <laughs> absolutely and um you know and that's like a lot of times like i said you know it we don't necessarily always put the coyote down right because if that coyote has, has earned it like he's going home yeah. yeah right like uh you know out of respect because he's just you know ran us all day and uh He's, you know, he's tired out 12 hounds and whatever, right? Um, but, uh, you know, it is all about population control too, right? Because without disease, there's nothing managing coyotes. Yeah, disease and, and starvation, which generally in the agriculture world, we have so much like ground nesting birds, rodents, and everything that are associated with crops and grains. Like, I don't know... Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of making an assumption here that there's a tremendous amount of, of adult coyotes that are maybe starving on the agriculture landscape. I think maybe in the hinterlands and the boreal forest and, you know, in those, the northern woods and stuff, it might be a little bit tougher with ups and downs of, you know, grouse and hare populations and stuff. And, uh, but I know with wolves in the science that the leading cause of mortality in wolves is starvation of the pups disease and wolf on wolf violence they're they're not they're oh. they don't like each other <laughs> they're you know this is our terrain and our pack and you know they're like the the chimp empire on netflix if you watch that it's like they want to go to war and kill the kill the opposition right so so yeah it's a it's it's a it's a different world for these guys and um, letting some of them, letting some of them go or humanely taking some of them uh, for population control is, is, uh, is, is what's needed in the agriculture landscape. eh? Yeah, for sure. And especially Southwestern Ontario, if not Southern Ontario, we don't have the winters where they'd really necessarily um, starve to right. death. Right. Um, I did 
put one down last year, the year before. I was contacted just through um, social media. Uh, a friend of a friend had one living in his barn. <clears throat> so I went out there. I do the e-colon as well, electric colon. And um, I, I did a couple sets and didn't have it uh, come out. And then I thought, well, I'll just peek in where he showed me where it was sleeping. And lo and behold, there it was curled up in the hay, mm -hmm. jumped up. So it saw me, jumped up and started running. And I got around and ended up getting it. But it was so mangy, you wouldn't even be able to tell it was a coyote. Mm -hmm. Like it was almost hairless. Hairless oh, and, and scat, scabbed up. And the cat, just, that's when everybody and calls it. Like, what are they? The chuka. The chupacabras or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's like a coyote with mange. Gotcha. Yeah. That's that's yeah, sad. It was it was a dead dead coyote walk. Yeah, and like that's super sad. In in your experience, is mange down. getting worse in the coyote population in Ontario? And do you think it's more mild winters or higher populations and more animal to animal contact? What what's your hypothesis? Hmm. so I, I i feel it is like you know it's hard to you know we don't get a lot of clean nice coyotes interesting it seems anymore right um i don't know if it's because of the milder weather and that could be it but it's definitely um contact like population numbers right because if one coyote has it that you know during breeding season, oh, you can just imagine how many more coyotes would have it by the end of it. Coming with um, with the, the contact, and then if they have a litter, and one's got mange, well, all those pups are going to get mange, and, and they'll probably succumb you know, even faster than an adult if a pup gets mange. Absolutely, yeah. I'm from a small town where we have resident fox in the village, okay. and we take care of them as a as a village. I'm 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 in a hamlet of 300 people that swells to maybe 3,000 in the Holy. summertime with the cut. Yeah, with few trailer parks like uh, I'm on Lake Erie, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yep. right? weekend warriors, and, and yeah. So um, we had uh, mange run through the fox a couple years ago, so we actually trapped one in my front yard. And this thing was so sick, but, um, you know, we had, uh, an animal rescue, take it and treat it back to health. And we actually ended up releasing that one. But then the following year we got one that was just terrible again. And, uh, it passed away overnight. Hmm. Like, wow. Yeah. Now, so mange is horrible. Now here, just, uh, I'll shift gears a little bit and kind of come back to something. So this, this I think might be a, a criticism of this hunting practice and which from what I understand in Canada goes back into the 1800s, um, you know, sort of like dominion days sort of thing. Um, and it might be a question that's in hunters minds as well. So, so you kind of talked about like some of these pursuits can be fairly long all day long cover you know a lot of ground and stuff so the obvious question seems to be isn't that hard on the animal like you're running it to exhaustion it's burning up energy in the winter time <clears throat> what, what are you, what are your experiences there like is that something that's that's it's it's beyond what a coyote is capable of and what they might travel on a day hunting are they you know mm. what what are your kind of thoughts on that because obviously that 
whole idea and I've seen it in here in the West with cougar hunting and stuff and it's like oh they're they're relentlessly like run to exhaustion all this kind of stuff and then you talk to actually people and it's like no the cat's in the tree and it's like it's asleep or we get there and we leash the dogs up and it runs away again like they're not worn out uh, I know that with cats what what's your experience with with the coyotes what would you yeah. say to well, a non-hunter that accuses you of you're you're running them to exhaustion which jeopardizes their well i would say we're not running them to exhaustion because okay. clearly they're, they're they're getting away okay right? yeah they're getting well, away from the like it, it, it yeah if we we're running them to exhaustion they would have been caught mm, okay right? um i don't i don't know what the capabilities of a coyote would be but clearly um i don't think we're like um pushing it them to their limit gotcha. Right. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, you know, if, if the snow's super deep, sometimes maybe, um, they get caught quicker or, you know, the chase is up quicker, but as hard as it is, it is for the coyote, it's equally as hard for the dog. Right. Every, right? Everybody's got a hand. So I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's a fair, fair chase, fair, um, competition yeah yeah i sometimes kind of think if you're not you know a hunter or a trapper you kind of underestimate how powerful and how much endurance a wild animal has for things you just some of these things like you know like seen some of the scientific studies on waterfowl and it's like over the course of the fall it's like they actually do the migration from like the arctic to like the Gulf of Mexico like three times because they fly south and they go back north and they fly south and they go back north as the weather changes right and they're like flying three times 9,000 kilometers or something like that and it's like holy shit these little things have got a massive amount of endurance and strength so I I would always kind of think somebody might go well that's that's going to be so hard on the coyote and and I would almost kind of think that yeah like you said if they're not getting caught it's maybe just kind of like a a you know child's play to them right it's sort of like come on this is all you got yeah i can i can i can do this for a long time um hey one of my other question is um is is the trialing of the dogs like and that whole thing is that is there a group of people that are just sort of like involved in that for just the sake of working with a dog that don't hunt and then is there like the hunting community is there kind of like is there two different groups of people or is it kind of all part of the same because i know in the bird dog world like there's people that are specifically got bird dogs they're trained like little robots they go in these competitions and they want them to like have ribbons and breed and all this kind of stuff and they don't actually do a lot of bird hunting with them uh and then there's the people that are just like you know hey chuck get in the truck let's go let's get some birds yeah right um actually that's a fair point and i wouldn't actually be able to answer that because i never go to the to the pens with the guys oh, okay right? so i i just go in the field with them <clears throat> so um it that would be hard i i don't know because i know a couple of the guys that have uh ran in michigan that ended up winning you know top trial dog from michigan um from canada and but they're hunters so they've hunted okay with, like okay. they've always hunted with the dogs right um but, you know, as far as the trials go, I think, you know, 
a lot of it has to do with the breeding too, right? Because the more trials they win and the better the dog is, the more, um, um, like a, like a better hunter the dog is. Well, the more somebody's going to want the dog yep. for breeding that bloodline, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Cuz so, the dog's skilled, you know, more the dog's money. demonstrated its that, skilled, yeah. Okay. That's right. Makes um, sense. Same same with so, retrievers. You know, cuz they they make yep, yeah, and they they make money by by breeding and selling pops and in that kind of stuff too, right? Like I mean, like I said, you got to feed the dogs all year. It's not a cheap hobby, yeah, yeah. right? Interesting. You know, you you got a kennel of 10 dogs. That's a like, that can add up over uh, here. I'm feeding three of them, and it's like I think their grocery bill's bigger than <laughs> mine. <laughs> yeah, so, that's crazy. Hey, um, really appreciate this. So, one of the last things I just want to get from you to wrap up here: What's your read on the situation in Ontario around this? Is there a tremendous amount of fervor? Are you seeing a lot of like political campaigns? Um, maybe more stories in the papers or chatter around town or is it not quite as big a big a deal as what you know maybe it seems from a few news stories what's your what's your sense mm. well i haven't heard a lot about it um other than one of the one of the guys from my north group was um talking to me about it there maybe a month ago because i think that big announcement just came out mid-may wasn't it yeah that was the about the that was the public comment period i think it was open till the end okay. of may or whatever and it was it was that was about the license transfer and then the government i if i remember right they're going to entertain for a period of time applications for new trialed areas so they would be able to increase from 24 okay. or if somebody has an existing license and they want to transfer it because they're getting out of it they couldn't do that before um so right that that's what the and people yeah. were commenting and that's of course where all then the anti-hunters come come out of the woodwork right and saying you know this is a really horrible group of people and a horrible way to hunt and stuff and and it all needs to stop so that that's kind of that's the that's mm. the stories that i've been seeing so it's kind of like What's actually the read on the ground in Ontario? Right. So other than the few articles, it sounds like we've read the same okay, articles. Yeah. You, you, you were talking about those two. Uh, yeah, that was uh, the last one I saw. Yeah. Yeah. And the, but that was Ohio, right? Those guys were from Ohio. No way. Were really? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they were American. Well, isn't that interesting? I got to go yeah, back and I'm look on because sure. I talked about that in the in the last thing. So the whole thing about the 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 underground black market for live coyotes and and all, all this yeah. kind of stuff. Well, geez, yeah. well, what the heck yeah, is CBC doing covering the story? On? It it was it was CBC. I know. That's I'm right. like, what the yeah? What the so, hell? Don't don't take my word. Okay, for it, but okay. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure those guys were. We're from the States, but I get it. So they want to keep the legal stuff open and going so they don't push it underground. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've read that, right. yeah. And, right? And so, there's, like you said, there's 24, and I know two that the, the guys go to on a regular, Kingston and, um, oh, what's that, uh, uh, Clinton, uh, for, for my area, okay? okay? Um, but, um, you know, when... 
some of these guys that have these licenses have had these licenses for so long, like they're just too old to do it oh, anymore. I, okay, so that's where the transfer if, part if, comes if, in. That's where the transfer part comes in because if they don't transfer it and they're too well, then that license dies with them. Right? Oh, okay, and I'm sure that's what the antes want, right? So that's why they put that's, an that would be a, that's a sunset clause. Yeah, that would have been put in by the last government, there you kind go. of like our handgun thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's oh, right. interesting. Yeah, so. Yeah, and this is kind of my off season for coyote, right? Like I just came out of um, turkey season, yep. and then j- jumped into catfish, and now I'm waiting to get out on Lake Erie for walleye. Sweet. So, um, if I wasn't stupid enough to breed my dog, I'd I'd be fishing right now, probably. <laughs> so I just I, I just had uh, I got standard poodles, so we just had a litter this week, and I'm like in a brain fog. That's why I'm having a hard time finding words. I've been like. You know, sleeping two hours up for an hour, sleeping two hours up for an hour, um, just making sure that everybody survives and and they're all good. No, right? that's the dedication so, like, of uh, to a do a dog of a dog breeder. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, yeah, yeah, Sean, thanks so much for uh, coming on the podcast and I mean being opening up and being truthful um, at, to your experiences and and you know what what you know and what you don't know um that uh is worth its weight in gold in my opinion and i think you've dispelled a few a few myths uh here about you know about this whole the whole story and i think that's um that's so important in this day and age as a hunting community that we open up and talk about the truth around hunting because if we don't Others are filling and creating the narrative, which is not truthful. And I know we've seen these stories all over. Uh, we were talking about this before the show, and it's sort of like, well, hey, that's not actually in Canada. And this, this story came up, it might not be in Canada. Uh, so so people are trying to say these are who hunters are. And so I appreciate you as a hunter coming on the show and saying, this is who I am as a hunter, and this is how this is done, and this is... This is the truth of the practice of hunting coyotes with, with hounds in Ontario. And, um, man, I can't thank you enough for, for being willing to, to share yourself and your, and your experiences. No worries. Right on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, it's good. I, I just, I, I don't like, uh, you know, when people are putting words in our mouths, you know what I mean? Like if they don't know what they're talking about, but they keep talking, it's not fair to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, so, and the silence and that's why you gotta have in the to... hunting community, you know, in some ways speaks volumes as well. So um, this is a sensitive subject. I think it, it is. I think anything in this day and age where we're hunting with hounds, hunting over bait, um, long range shooting, like all of these things are like sensitive subjects, um, you know, yeah. and, and, and we need to talk about this and we need to be in control of the narrative and we need to say what's the truth and what's not the truth. And if we're not willing to do that, then others fill the minds of the non-hunting public and that's not what we want. So I commend you on coming in and saying this is what I do and being proud of it, you know, and being saying, yeah, thanks. standing up for your fellow hound hunters and yourself. And there's, there was no hint of shame or guilt or that you're doing something. that's just not 2023. I, I, I don't get that at all on this. You're just like, this is just 
hunting. And just another way to hunt. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny because we were talking earlier, I've done a podcast um, this year, the first time I've ever done a podcast. So this is my second. And um, I had no idea what to expect, but that was about turkey hunting, fanning. Right. Yeah. That's a big that's right? a big thing, right? That's another big one, too, right? So I'm total into the mojo scoot and shoot and fanning birds. And then there was a guy that was against it. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's sad that, you know, with even within the hunting community, we're divided. On, on some you know? things. Yep. On some things. Like, we, you know, everybody, we should all just be, be you know, support each other, no matter how you, you hunt, as long as it's legal and well, ethical and within the regulations of the area you're, you're hunting. Absolutely. Embrace you know, it, have fun. and Absolutely. Know, and this. and I think an important part of that is, is we educate each other. Because in this oh, country, absolutely. whether it's, whether it's bears or cougars or cats or, or coyotes, uh, it is a very, very small percentage of the hunting public that uses dogs to hunt that age old tradition of using dogs to hunt with. So it, in, in my opinion, and it's definitely in my personal case, I'm very ignorant to that hunting practice, but I don't want to judge until I've either done it or talked to people like yourself and, and learn. So that's one of the things I like to do with the show is to connect my listeners to you and educate you about something so some people might go i didn't know that isn't that interesting well i as a hunter i have a different opinion now of this story in ontario or with bear hunting i didn't realize they did that i didn't you know because they see the same stories that the non-hunting public does as well and so educating each other i think is a very important uh part of that and whether it's like how you hunt turkeys or or whatever, whether you hunt bears over bait or not over it, like let's get the truth and the facts about how this is really done. And I think when, even when hunters are educated, they're like, it dispels a lot of the myths and misconceptions about what their fellow hunter is doing. And you've done a great job here today on this. Awesome. Cool. Right on. Well, thanks. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Or Mark. Mark hey, no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> Um, Sean Foster, uh, thanks so much. Uh, people can find you on Instagram if they want to follow along on, on your adventures in the Ontario outdoors. Uh, like he said, you're switching on to fishing. I've seen a bunch of your fishing pictures from previous years. Looks pretty awesome. So good luck with the walleye season this summer. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's uh, S-E-A-N-M-I-C-H-I-A-L-F-O-S-T-E-R on Instagram. There you go. So is there awesome. is there like a, a Sean Foster that's like a celebrity? You know, there's all people, oh, search him. Oh, my God, he's like a country <laughs> and Western singer. Wow, cool. Yeah. No, wrong one. Yeah. No, 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 just uh, at Sean Michael Foster, but Sean and Michael are spelled different. Okay, cool, So cool. Not, not the famous, not the famous celebrity one. So, uh, thanks again, Sean. Uh, Appreciate everything you've done in representing, uh, upstanding hunting community in Ontario. All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode.